And uh, we're into the Insurance and Injury Law Show. The number to get a hold of Savannah anytime, 416-216-5910. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email. You want to drop them one. And uh, anytime as well, uh, Savannah, we, we, uh, I kind of forget to, uh, to mention this during the show, is that uh, people have questions about stuff we talk about outside of the show. They can go to myaccidentquestions.com and mydisabilityquestions.com. That's and there's right. A, it's really a, a treasure trove of, of questions that have been asked in the past, so there's probably quite a library. Chances are the question you've asked is already up there. If not, type it in. And you'll get back to them, right? Absolutely, within minutes. Good. So we always start with the week that was. We got a couple of cases to talk about. Yeah, uh, we have we have some interesting cases yep. that happened this week. One of them uh, is actually a former client of mine that I helped a few years back. This is a lady who was uh, in her mid thirties, and she had a factory type job. She was earning fourteen dollars an hour, mm-hmm. and uh, she's been working with this big company up uh, in Newmarket. Uh, for, for, for a few years, and for whatever reason, something happened. Uh, she started developing these pains in the abdomen. Long story short, she went on disability. Okay. But this was one of those unusual type of injuries that doctors had difficulty diagnosing. So, of course, the long-term disability insurer took the position, we're not going to cover you, uh, you know, we're, we're going to deny your claim. Uh, which I see quite often, unfortunately. And so these people came to me and, uh, you know, I, I looked at everything. I communicated with the doctors. I got the reports I needed, started the claim. And, uh, it, you know, within months, the claim was resolved and it was resolved for a six-figure wow, sum. Wow, no kidding. Now, the interesting thing is that this happened, uh, like I said, about a year and a half, two years ago. And I got a call from them this week saying, you know, she's now ready to try to go back to work. And, you know, she went to the employer and the, and the employer is ignoring her. And at some point, um, th- th- this was a couple of weeks ago, the husband went and said, you know, what's going on here? My wife is ready to try to come back. And they said, well, we have no more uh, a position, no for, position for you, no job for you. So, of course, you know, this, this is an issue. This is an employment issue yep. uh, that my partner would be dealing with or, or one of the other lawyers at the firm. And the reason that I'm outlining this is, is again, because I keep emphasizing that there is something really unique about the law firm that, that we've created, which is that we deal not only with disability and personal injury, but we deal with employment. And oftentimes, John, those are really interconnected. That'll be the back end of it. You're ready it's to go back, back to work end. and there's no job or there's exactly. problems getting back to your exactly. job. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, when people come to us, they, they're in a desperate state. They need money. Uh, either they're injured or they're out of work. So this idea that we have, you know, this ability mm-hmm. uh, w- with this entire team that we've built up over the last, uh, you know, almost eight years of people who really specialize in disability, in injury, and employment law, it's extremely unique. You're not going to find that. And even when you do find that, you're not going to find that uh, in, in, in the form that we've created, which is really creative, which is really to maximize whatever we can get for people mm-hmm. on all fronts. And you guys don't take forever to start claims. How many times in the show have we talked about lawyers sitting back in their laurels saying, I'll get to it. A year goes by, two years exactly. goes by. We want to see what happens. Well, that, that's, that's unfortunately one of the uh, bad uh, aspects of the profession. And, and w- w- one of the big uh, criticisms that people have, that lawyers just take forever. They mm-hmm. never respond to you. Nothing happens with your claim. And that's going to lead me, by the way, to the next uh, case that I'm going to talk to you about, okay. which is a lady who contacted me uh, again this week after listening to the show. Uh, and and what's happened is that uh, sh- she's 67 years old and she fell in her apartment building and fractured her knee. Now, John, this was about four years ago. Mm-hmm. And she had a lawyer or she has a lawyer. Uh, well, she, she had a lawyer, let's put it that way. And uh, again, you know, she was very, very uh, patient with this lawyer. Uh, the lawyer told her, you know, everything is, is being negotiated. We're going to try and resolve it for you. Yep. And what she found out a couple of weeks ago is that the lawyer missed the limitation period for starting the claim. Now, this happened four years ago, so the limitation period would have been missed two years ago because the limitation period is two years 
from the date of the accident. Okay, right? so, so what happens? So what happens is that now she's come to me and now I'm going to take on her case. And if I can't go after the people responsible for her injury, I'm probably going to go after this lawyer. I hate doing that. I hate saying that. But, you know, if this is such a blatant breach of the lawyer's obligation and now this lady is not going to get compensation for her injuries, mm-hmm. I will make sure that she either gets it either through making the claim and trying to argue that perhaps we can get around the limitation period, which is very difficult, or making sure that this lawyer contacts his insurance company and then I deal with them. Either way, she's going to be paid. But it brings me back to the lesson, which is, don't you know if there is an issue with your claim if you don't know what's going on if the lawyer is not getting back to you if, if the injury has happened you know months and months ago and you can't get a hold of everyone make sure that you ask questions make sure you communicate with your lawyer or with the assistant or someone don't assume that everything oh, is going sure. according to plans no, so sure. this is just uh, one of those cases that are very extreme but i wanted to bring it out because it's very unfortunate let me get to an email before our uh, first break here. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the address. As uh, Laura from Peterborough says, my mother worked for 22 years as a financial advisor, but then had an accident last year, had to go on short-term disability. It was time for her to switch to long-term disability mid-January this year, but no one is answering her call. She can't get a hold of anyone. What's she going to do? Oh, boy. Okay. Well, you know, a lot of times when uh, when disability insurance companies don't answer calls when the adjusters are, are not getting back to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's it, it can be one of two reasons really. Either uh, you know they're not getting the messages, uh, which is quite rare because usually you are. I mean, you know who to communicate with, or it's just that they they uh, you know simply have your your file on their desk and they'll get to it when they get to it. Nice. In the meantime, you need cash, you need money, you need to pay your mortgage, you need to buy groceries. You know, your kids need to go to school. And and so, you know, what I would tell Lara is, uh, you know, make sure you tell your mom to give me a call. Not very difficult. Usually a letter or two from me in a circumstance, in circumstances like these can, 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 you know, resolve the issue. I would be able to communicate with the insurance company, make sure everything is on track. And in the event that they deny your claim or they say that there is a problem with your claim, I will be able to identify whether or not their reasoning is valid. Love it. And if it's not valid, then trust me, we're going to take steps to make sure that they pay the claim one way or another. They're not going to get away with us. We'll take a short break. The number is 416-216-5910. That's to get a hold of Savan directly, insuranceandinjurylaw.com on the website and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up. Talk radio, AM 640. And back into the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio AM640. Savan's number 416-216-5910. He'll answer that any time of day because he's got it on his hip all the time. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email and online to insuranceandinjurylaw.com. That'll be the uh, the website. want to get to some uh, some questions, stuff I've been dying to ask you, even though it's more of a summer question. Uh, around this city, it, it's basically 365. That is, can a cyclist get compensated for injuries if he's injured or she's injured by a car? Absolutely, uh, 100%. And we see these kinds of cases, you're right, uh, usually around the summer. Uh, and by the way, this question is really timely. Uh, this week I was contacted by uh, CBC Edmonton as well as uh, Global in Edmonton okay. because there's a case going on there right now uh, with a cyclist who actually went through a red light and then collided with a car or a truck. And, and what happened there is that the truck su- suffered uh, uh, damage injuries. to it. Not injuries, but damage. And, and the insurance company for the truck driver is going after the cyclist, and it's about six grand. So anyways, they interviewed me uh, you know, to find out what exactly can the insurance company do and, and whether or not they have any rights. And one of the things that I said 
in that interview, I sort of switched uh, the, you know, the, the, the message a bit, and I said, well, okay, uh, first of all, it's not completely clear what the cyclist did that led to the accident. Uh, but the lesson here is this. The cyclist was actually injured. Well, if you're a cyclist and, and you know, you, you're injured by a car, you have the exact same rights as anyone else, as a pedestrian, as another person in another car. If you are injured as a result of, of a car colliding with you and you have injuries, you're going to be entitled to compensation. So don't wait on that. Don't assume that because you're a cyclist and, you know, there's uh, this uh, big backlash that sometimes we hear about cyclists because of the rules of the road mm -hmm. and, you know, drivers don't like them, whatever. Make sure that if you are injured as a cyclist, you seek legal help because you're probably entitled to compensation. But the red light thing will come into play, no? It's going to come into play, exactly. Yeah. So, of course, that goes into the other issue, which we have to deal with in many cases, which is who's at fault. Mm -hmm. In yes. that case, it's not clear to me that the cyclist, even though he went through a red light, that it was 100% his fault. Because what happens here if, yes, he went through a red light, but the truck... Uh, act or, or the trucker actually saw him coming into the intersection, should the trucker have stopped? I is it going to be a case wow. where the cyclist is 100% at fault, or is there a 50-50 uh, split? Is there a 75-25? So if, for example, it's a 50-50 split, and this applies, by the way, to any personal injury situation. Okay. Uh, if you have two cars, one goes on a, on a, uh, a yellow light and one is going forward, you know, there's going to be oftentimes a dispute as to whether or not the light had turned red at this time or that time. And so a lot of times you're not dealing with 100% liability or fault on any given party. So even if you are partially at fault, but you were injured, you are still going to probably be entitled to compensation for your injuries. Have you ever found in your practice that it, you mentioned that, you know, it's, it's a discrepancy, it's a gray area whether the light was red or yellow. Do they ever pull uh, closed-circuit TV cameras for that or no? They pull everything, really? absolutely. Okay. Yeah, wow. they, they do that and they look for witnesses. Uh, you know, I, I had cases when I was working for insurance companies when we were dealing with very large claims uh, where there were allegations that there was construction on the road mm -hmm. and that interfered with somebody's ability to see what was ahead. And so at that wow. point, of course, you know, you can imagine the construction company or the city was pulled into the claim. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they pull as much information as they can. But again, oftentimes, most of these claims are not difficult to resolve. Right. And if you push forward with the claim the way we do at our office, you know, we, we, we don't wait on these things. We push forward. We make sure that, that you know, we, we advance the client's interests as fast as possible. And whatever documents we need, we get those. That's why we have a team. Each person is responsible for something in order to bring everything to a resolution. 416-216-5910, that is Savannah's number. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If a person was um, you know, about to start a new job and because of, say, an accident was unable to start that job, is there any sort of compensation for that? That would be a rough situation. Man. It's a very rough situation, yeah. and, and you know that, um, that asks us as lawyers to look into a crystal ball. And so when you make that kind of an allegation that uh, you know, when I have a client who was about to start a job, I, I, and they can't because of the injuries, yep. I ask them, well, you know, do you have a contract of employment you signed? Do you have an offer letter? Is there something to be able to help me to substantiate the fact that you were going to start this job? The fact that you weren't working before, that you, know, you weren't working for the last year, that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if I can prove that as a result of this accident, you are now not able to work or able to only work part-time or lost the opportunity that otherwise you would have had to have a job, then you're entitled to compensation for that loss. That's the way the law works. But I have to be able to prove that. And when I was doing work as a defense lawyer, uh, John, oftentimes I would have lawyers advocating or arguing on behalf of their clients, but don't understand the simple concept that they have to prove that. Right. And that's very, very key because if you're not actually doing everything you need to do to prove that loss 
it means that you can't recover for it. And if you can't recover for it, your client's not going to recover for it. So again, you have to understand how, how the process works. Again, not difficult, but technical, and you have to be very, very diligent. Assuming that I have an employment contract that was signed because I'm about to start this job, everything's cool. Compensation, is that just through my insurance, or does the, does the employer, even though I haven't, I haven't stepped foot one inside the door to do the job, do, are they responsible for some of the compensation? Or it has nothing to do with the employer? The empl- no, the employer is going to be, uh, well, there's, there's an employment component here, obviously, because the question then arises, you know, do they have to uh, keep that job open right. once you're able to go back, if you're able to go back? That's, that's an employment question, and I would defer to, to my partner on that. But, yeah. you know, in, in Next hour. Terms, <laughs> next hour, exactly. But in terms of who's responsible for the loss because you now can't work, that's going to be the person or the insurance company cool. of the person who was responsible for your injuries. So uh, does a person need to be injured physically to get compensation or can it be emotional or even mental? Because you've talked about stuff that's difficult right. to prove when it comes to emotional and, and, and you know psychiatric or mental injuries too, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, no, the, the answer is that uh, it doesn't have to be just physical. And in fact, most injuries have a psychological overlay on them. And that makes sense. Think yep. about it. I mean, you know, you're healthy one day, the next day you're injured, you have difficulty doing uh, your work or housework or dealing with your kids. There's going to be some depression. Right. Yeah, and even sure. depression, anxiety, you know, going to have fear of driving. How do you deal with all these yep. things? Everything has to be taken into account. And a lot of times defense lawyers or insurance companies will downplay the psychological component and they'll downplay it for two reasons. One, because it's very difficult to prove. You can't touch it, taste it, hold it, see it, exactly. right? Yeah. Exactly. There's no x-ray that's going to show us yeah. on an imaging what's wrong. And the second thing is uh, because generally speaking, they just, for whatever reason, value the emotional or the mental less than the physical. It's wrong. I mean, it's not the right way. You can be, you can be physically healthy yeah. but emotionally crippled. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be compensated for, for the losses that you're suffering as a result right. of that. And I've had a lot of cases where, you know, we resolved claims for in the high six figures for a purely, a purely mental and emotional injury, believe it or not. Because at the end of the day, they recognize that if this ended up in court, which most of these cases don't, but right. if it did, a jury or a judge would award significant damages. We'll take a short break. 416-216-5910 to get a hold of Savannah. That's his uh, home personal number, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And anytime you want to go online to check out the website for more information, insuranceandinjurylaw.com. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM640. And back, uh, we go into the Insurance and Injury Law Show here. 416-216-5910 is the phone number. You can go to insuranceandinjurylaw.com if you're surfing around and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to get a hold of Savannah, I'll give you another question before I move on to a, an email. If I, if I start a personal injury claim, does it mean that I have to go to court? No, absolutely not. And I, I know this is, yeah, <laughs> and this is something that weighs um, heavily on most people. You know, he, here's the deal, and this is something we tell all of our clients or people who come and consult with us who are just definitely afraid of going to court for whatever reason. Um, well, it's the atmosphere, have, right? It's the atmosphere, exactly. Most of these cases don't end up in court, and they don't, they, they, they don't end up in court for a very simple reason. It's very, very expensive for all sides to go to court. And, and you know, you'll hear lawyers tell you that, you know, they go to court all the time and, and this and that. And, you know, I, I'll tell you this, John. If, if I went to a lawyer who said, you know, I'm in court all the time, mm-hmm. unless that person is a criminal lawyer, then I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, does that mean that you simply can't resolve cases without going to court? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, when you go to the doctor, you're not going for surgery every time you have an issue. Yeah. Surgery is the last resort. Chemotherapy is the last resort. You don't want these extreme measures. Over 90%, even 95% of these cases, personal injury, employment, all these kinds of cases, they resolve well 
before court. Okay, so this word court or or you know this conception that as soon as you start a claim, you're going to end up before a judge. Nonsense. Very very few cases actually get that far. And one of the reasons also is because. For the most part, it's a fairly small legal community, believe it or not. Even though we have so many lawyers, mm-hmm. most of the lawyers in each practice group, so in the personal injury group, in the employment group, in the family group, most of them know each other, despite the fact that you know this is, this is Toronto and it's a huge sure, uh, though, yeah. a city. Uh, and, and, and so the mere fact that we do this on a daily basis, we can assess these cases. We can figure out what the ranges are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have reasonable lawyers and sometimes you don't, which is why it's so important to have the right lawyer. Because if you have a lawyer here who tells you that your injury is worth $1 million when in fact it's worth $150,000, you are going to go to court and you are going to go to trial. So when lawyers promise these un, you know, insane amounts that you only see on American TV, be very aware, okay? This is not the American system. There's still, there's still compensation you're entitled to. It depends on each, uh, each case, on the injury, on the losses. It's very important to be able to assess these claims properly. But I'll tell you, John, I, as a defense lawyer in the past, I've had a lot of times where lawyers were advancing claims, advancing amounts that forced me to go to trial. Mm-hmm. They forced me to tell my insurance company client, you know, we got to take this to trial. And we would win at trial, not, n- not, not win in that we wouldn't pay any money, but win in that we would pay the exactly what I said amount. we should be paying. Right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and again, there was no need for that. Right. Uh, oftentimes, going to court and going to trial, you're talking about a process that takes years and years and years. There's no reason for these cases to drag on for years and years and years. So what cases do go to trial generally? Generally speaking, uh, you have two types of cases that go to trial in the personal injury context. Uh, There could be a legitimate dispute on the injury. I mean, you could have someone, for example, who is really legitimately injured, let's say psychologically. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for whatever reason, the insurance company just doesn't believe it. I don't know why. Something happened, they don't believe it. And, and, And so, you know, I would say, you know, my client's claim is worth... $800,000, $800,000, and they would say, you know, we're only offering you 20000 Well, at a that point... A little bit of a gap there. A little bit of a gap. But if I've, if, if I've done my homework, if, if we've put everything together, we have all the experts that we need, mm-hmm. and we can prove it, the insurance company is just being stubborn, well, then we're going to have to go to court because we're not going to back down. It's that simple. And, and that's also a very important point. It's reputation. If they know you're not going to back down, you develop this reputation that's going to help you in the future resolve cases. The other reason why insurance companies uh, and, and injured individuals sometimes go to trial is when there is a liability dispute. So w- when you know the issue of fault comes into mm-hmm. play, uh, you know the, the stories just don't jive. It was a car accident, but this one person says that the accident happened this way, and this one says it happened that way, and the stories are just diametrically opposed. There are no witnesses. There's nothing. There's a lot of damages at play. It's right. like significant injuries. At that point, insurance companies may want to roll the dice. But again, very, very rare. Help at the insurance, uh, pardon me, help at the insurancelawyer.ca and 416-216-5910. We'll bounce over to uh, Nancy here. She uh, emails from Toronto, says, I'm 63 years old and worked as a nurse for 35 years. Slipped and fell last March, broke my ankle, still off work, and now my employer offered me a package to retire early. Keep in mind, she's 63. I wasn't planning on retiring early. In fact, I... Wanted to work at least another five years. If I take this package, how will that affect my case? Okay, so this is a very interesting question, and it's a question that I oftentimes get uh, from people who are around that age, uh, in their late 50s, early 60s. They've been injured. Uh, After the injury, they're offered early retirement, Mm -hmm. probably because the employer doesn't want to deal with a person who's injured and sick. Uh, and, And so they ask me, well, what should I do here? And what I tell them is this. 
you know, first of all, you do what's right for your family. You may need that money right now. Uh, I'll tell you this. Here's the way I would play it from a legal standpoint. Okay. I, I would say that you have to make sure that you, you make it very clear to your employer that uh, while you're interested in this retirement package, uh, your plans were actually to continue working for X amount of years, whatever it is that you wanted uh, to work. Mm-hmm. And you make sure that that's in writing because that's going to go into your employment file. If you are planning to work for another five years, you make sure you actually state that. Now, at some point down the road, let's say you retired early, uh, the other side is going to ask you for the employment file. So I would then give them your employment file. And in the employment file, they would see that you actually told your employer that you were actually going to work another five years, mm-hmm. but because of the accident and the injuries, you've decided to accept the early retirement. Right. So now what we've done is we've crystallized the loss, right? Because you've retired early. So you take, so what I would do is I would take whatever that person would have earned in the next five years, right? That they said that they mm-hmm. would have worked but for the accident, minus whatever the, reti- the, the retirement package is. And I would say, well, that's the difference. That's what they would have earned had the accident not occurred. They would not have retired early. Right. So the mere fact that they've accepted the retirement package as a result of the fact that they're they're injured crystallized that future loss. And I would tell the other side, you have to pay that. And I'll tell you, John, they're going to have no choice but to pay it. They may resist it, but they're going to have a difficult time arguing that this loss has not occurred. So, so you know, what I would tell Nancy is make sure you give me a call. Not difficult to resolve. Again, not difficult, but everything has to be done correctly. And there are certain steps, like that letter that you have to, t- to give your employer mm-hmm. uh, explaining that you are going to work uh, for longer. Details, man. Uh, details. details. Yep. Yeah, that will only come into play a year from now, a year and a half from now, whenever it is that they're going to request your employment file. So you see, John, it's like chess. You got you it. You make one move now, 10 moves down the road, that's going to have an effect. Love it. 416-216-5910, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and online to insuranceandinjurylaw.com. We'll get to more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. And back into it, the number is 416-216-5910. Emails are help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I'll get to one of these before we get back into some questions. Maybe I'll stump you. I haven't done it yet over the last, you know, whatever, eight months, but I'll, I'll try again today. Uh, Claire from Matovico says, I've been working on long-term disability for three years now and just got a letter this past week from my insurer telling me that they want me to see their doctor. Do I have to go, and what does this mean? Well, uh, Claire, if they want you to see their doctors after being on disability for three years, it's because they're sick and tired of paying for your disability. It doesn't mean that you're not entitled to it. In fact, the fact that the, the mere fact you're telling me you've been on it for three years indicates to me that it's a fairly severe disability and you're entitled to continue on it without knowing the facts. But if they want you to see their doctor, there is a reason for it. And, you and so, go. yeah, and you got to go, obviously, because you have to comply uh, w- with the requirements. But that doctor is an insurance doctor. It's someone this disability insurer is going to pay for the report. So naturally, what do you think is going to happen when you see that doctor and the doctor cranks out a report? It's probably, not, not necessarily, but probably going to say that you're, you're, you're well enough to ch- at least try to go back to work. And, and that's going to, to allow the insurance company to say to you, well, let's try a, a return to work program. And of course, that's going to that's gonna put you in distress because you probably feel like you're not ready yet. Your own doctors are probably saying you should not be going yet. But the insurance company is saying, well, you have to try because our doctor said that you are well enough right. to try. So what do you do? So what do you do is you call me. Okay, you call me. You're going to have to go to this doctor. There's going to be a report. And what's probably going to happen is they may use that to cut you off. But it, it, don't, it, don't, don't panic. That's why I tell people, don't panic when these things happen. The fact that an insurance company takes these positions, 
it, it happens all the time. And that's why somebody like me who understands that, who actually worked for them in the past, I can tell you it's not difficult to resolve these kinds of disputes. If they cut you off or if they don't cut you off, but they're threatening to cut you off, mm-hmm. we can deal with that. So what I would do when you came to me, sorry, when you, when you come to me and I assess the claim and I contact your doctors and get the reports I need from them, I would then write the adjuster and I would give them two choices. I would tell them either you stop harassing my client, she cannot go back to work based on these uh, treating physicians, the family mm-hmm. doctor's records, especially uh, records and reports, uh, or uh, you, know, you enter into negotiations to try and resolve the entirety of the claim. And again, one of the things I want people to understand is this. Uh, as a lawyer, I am bound by certain ethical uh, obligations, and, and, and I, I can't make decisions on your behalf without telling you or getting your instructions. Mm-hmm. So anytime there's any negotiations or I'm making any kind of major move against uh, the insurance company, I, I keep you updated, and I actually I have to get your instructions for that. You have to instruct me based on whatever recommendations I give you to either do what I'm suggesting or not. So, you know, don't worry about it, Claire. Just give me a call. It's not going to be difficult to resolve. And frankly, if we're able to do it now, if you contacted me now, before you even see their doctor, I could potentially even avoid you being cut off in the first place. Just by writing certain things to your adjuster and making it clear to that adjuster that if they are using this, this doctor appointment as a pretext to cut you off, then they're going to be faced with a claim down the road. 416-216-5910 is that number, Claire. So how, um, I'll just ask you guys, how frequently do your clients recover compensation for their injuries? Very, very frequently. And and that goes back to a show that we had last week. If you remember, John, when uh, uh, there was an adjuster that had called in a lady that worked in the industry, uh, accident benefits for about 15 Mm -hmm. years. And she she asked me a very, very good question. How do I... Uh, how do I know if, if, if someone who comes to me, uh, if, if it's a legitimate claim, if it's fraudulent, if it's not? Well, I have, I have my radars on. You got your filter. I got my filters, and I, I can assess a claim very quick, uh, quickly. I mean, literally within minutes of either talking to you or, or uh, meeting you face-to-face, I can assess whether or not I can help you or not or where, whether I even want to help you. Right. I mean, a lot of times I have situations where I have someone who uh, you know, is extremely combative, someone who is you know, injured or been cut off from disability, but... You know, they're their own worst enemy. They wouldn't listen to anything. They wouldn't listen to any advice. They want to do everything by themselves. These kinds of people, I can't help. Obviously. But if you're coming to me legitimately because you want me to help you, if you're being honest with me, straightforward, truthful, and if your injuries or your disability is such that you deserve compensation, you're going to recover that. I'm not going to say 100% because nothing is certain, but I can tell you, John, 99.9%. Well, you've, you know, I mean, you've mentioned stories on the air on this show and about lawyers that you know, even friends and colleagues, where they, you know, they sit back and it's taken years and years and years and it's just a horror show. How, how complicated is the process? Because you say you can move it along quickly. Right? Yeah, it's not complicated at all. I mean, oftentimes what happens is that uh, when you start a claim, whether it's for disability or personal injury, what happens is you start a claim and then the insurance company has to respond to you. And, you know, in, in almost every case, I mean, I can pull up my, uh, my phone right now, my email, and I can show you 10 emails from different adjusters on 10 different claims that we started this past week where they email me saying, uh, we received your claim, your client's claim. Can we have a waiver, an indulgence to wait uh, so we can investigate this matter? And what are they asking for? They're asking for 60 days, 90 days, 120 Stall days. Stall tactics? Or? It's, it's one of those things because, you know, they're overworked, so they have a ton of claims on their plate. Mm-hmm. So they just want to make sure that, uh, you know, they do everything uh, at their time, at their convenience. And, of course, on my end, my response is always the same. 
I would be very happy to give you that indulgence, except that my client is suffering and I intend to move this matter forward now. So you have to comply with the rules and the rules state that within 20 or 30 days, it depends on what happens in the case, mm-hmm. uh, as soon as you get this claim that we filed, I want uh, your response. I'm not going to wait. My client is not going to wait. It's very rare, very, very rare for me to give that indulgence. So that's an example of how we move these claims forward quickly. And some claims, John, resolve within months. Uh, some claims resolve within a year or two years, depending on how, how difficult the case is and how complicated it is. Very rare does it go beyond that. There are exceptions, just like with everything. Uh, but, but our view in the office is that you know, we, we, we pride ourselves on, on not having uh, a claim or a file on a shelf. Collecting uh, just dust. Just collecting dust. Yeah. So what we do is we, we actually have a diarize uh, at the firm for the lawyers to go through with their assistants, with the clerks, with everyone – once a month through all the claims to make sure that they're oh. moving properly forward. Very, very important. In many offices, it doesn't happen uh, simply because they just, you know, they don't care. The good offices, the good law firms, and there are some excellent, excellent law firms out there, th- they do the exact same thing. They have periodic uh, uh, meetings to go over claims to make sure everything is on track. 416-216-5910, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll take a short break, get to some more meals, uh, emails and some more information you're going to want to no, for sure. The Insurance and Injury Law Show right here on Talk Radio AM 640. And back into it we go. The number is 416-216-5910. That goes right to Savan. Help at insurancelawyer.ca. The email does as well. Uh, let me ask you this. Is there ever a reason not to make a claim for compensation injury? The only reason I can think of is if, uh, you know, if you're not being truthful about what happened. Hmm. Uh, if, uh, you know, you're saying your injury was caused by this accident, but really it was something else. Uh, because, you know, most likely uh, is that uh, it's going to come out. Uh, you know, your medical records are going to be produced. Uh, and, and it's very difficult to, to pull something like that over the eyes of a defense lawyer. I can tell you from experience. Uh, you know, other than that, no, there isn't really a reason if your claim is legitimate. Uh, and, and oftentimes as a defense lawyer, of course, I would see claims coming across my desk that you could see that they're not legitimate. In fact, again, last week, John, we had a physician call the show. Uh, who said that, unfortunately, he sees in his practice a lot of claims, uh, a lot of individuals, patients, uh, that uh, the lawyers told them to start claims when the claims uh, are clearly illegitimate, when it's the person's own fault that the accident, that the accident happened. Uh, and, of course, I mean, I agree with him. I, I would not take on a case. No one in my firm would take on a case unless we thought we could help the person, unless we thought that that person deserved compensation under the law. And that's, yeah. that's very important, that last phrase you are entitled to compensation under the law. If I tell you that phrase, it means that you are entitled to it. It's for you. The government put that law in in effect. The the courts have recognized that you're entitled to this compensation. So if you decide or your family member decides or your friend who was injured decides that they don't want to go through that process for whatever reason, that's okay. Accept that. If you are owed money for your injuries, let's say 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, and you say no, all you've done is given the insurance company a nice gift mm-hmm. because that money is not going to go do- get donated to, to a charity. The insurance company is just going to keep that. But again, the system is structured in such a way as to allow you to get compensation for your injuries. So if I'm telling you you're entitled to it, trust me, you're entitled to it unless you haven't told me the truth. You want to throw us an email? You can do so. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Sandra from Ajax writes in, says, My husband was in a 
very serious car accident last year. He broke his right wrist and hip and shattered his collarbone. Wow, he's uh, 58, was working part-time at Home Depot. Hasn't been able to go back to work. We have a lot of difficulty getting uh, you know hold of our lawyer. No money's coming in. We don't know what to do. We're literally surviving on our RSPs, but that's not going to last very long. Holy cow. Uh, Sandra, first of all, I'm very sorry about, you know, what you guys are going through. You know, the, the key the key thing here that I'm, that I'm hearing is that they can get a hold of their lawyer. Mm-hmm. That's extremely, extremely concerning. And, and, you know, I've had people contacting me, uh, you know, because of that. In fact, just to give you an antidote, uh, uh, sorry, an anecdote, uh, a, a, f- a few years back, I, I had somebody call me with a serious injury and, uh, you know, I, I, I analyzed the case over the phone within three minutes and I told them, wow, it's a significant case. And then he told me he has a lawyer. And, and I said, okay, well, who's the lawyer? Just so I know who we're dealing with. I can tell you if it's a good lawyer, bad lawyer. And lo and behold, he mentioned uh, the name. And I, I knew that person. I know that person very, very well. And that person is an extremely good lawyer. Mm. And so what I told this person, I said, listen, I said, I know this guy. In fact, I went to law school with him. He's very, very good. I have no idea why you're not able to reach him. Uh, let me give him a call. And I, and I spoke uh, w- with my friend and I told him, listen, this guy is now shopping around because you're not returning his phone calls. You're not returning his emails. Mm-hmm. And it's a big claim, for God's sakes. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they got in touch uh, with each other. But again, word to the wise, Sandra, if you can't get a hold of your lawyer, if you can't make an appointment to see your lawyer, uh, you, should, you guys should not be on your own. I mean, I'm concerned now because if he's not responding to you and to your husband, mm-hmm. maybe he's not responding to the insurance company. Uh, John, that's, an, that's another uh, anecdote that I have is a case that I dealt with about a year ago uh, with, with, with um, uh, a gentleman who was injured fairly severely as a result of a slip and fall. And, and he came to me and, you know, he ended up coming with me and transferring out of the other law office he with, uh, was with because literally he couldn't get a hold of his lawyer for about six months. And, and when he came to me and I ended up getting a copy of the file, guess what I saw in the file? Uh, four months before I got retained on the case, the insurance company had actually sent to that lawyer a decent settlement proposal, which that lawyer never responded to nice. and never even recommended it or, 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 or discussed it with this individual who came to me. So, I mean, and that's insane because this so why person... Would, why would that happen? Why would he do that? Because the I have no idea. I, I don't know why some people practice the way they do. I don't know why, why some, you know, home contractors do the work that they do. I have no idea. Why do Leafs play hockey like they do? I have absolutely we don't know. no idea. No idea whatsoever. No idea whatsoever. I can just tell you that, uh, you know, my, my client uh, was furious when I told him that. And, of course, I revived the negotiations really, really quickly with the other side. I was actually able to get them even a better settlement at what they offered. Uh, but, again, it goes to show that if there is these huge delays... Who's suffering here? It's not the lawyer. It's the person. It's, it's, the, it's the family. It's the people who the lawyer is supposed to be representing. So, you know, if you're in that situation, make sure you contact your lawyer. Be strict. Be firm. Make an appointment to see them. Uh, make sure that your concerns are, are recorded. Email the lawyer, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you still can't get anywhere, give me a call. I will help you. 416-216-5910, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I want to talk about that filter you talked about earlier, how you decide to take cases or otherwise. We'll get to that after a short break in the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. The number is 416-216-5910. That is to get a hold of Savan directly, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and online the website, insuranceandinjurylaw.com. Want to get into uh, some more of uh, your thoughts here. So how do you decide if you take on a car accident or a personal injury case? Well, I'm going to ask the person a few questions uh, to do with the fault, if it's a car accident or a slip and fall. I want to know what happened. If it's a car accident, what exactly happened during the accident? Whose fault was it? I'm going to ask you probably for uh, a police report if you have it. If you don't, that's okay. We can get it down the road. 
Uh, th th then I'm going to ask you detailed questions about your injuries. And, and again, that's going to tell me a lot about how you come across. And, and you know, I mean, John, I, I had a, a gentleman come to my office a few weeks back who told me that he was in a car accident and uh, he injured his liver. And I said, your liver? He was and, driving drunk. I, yeah, probably. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and and I, I, anyways, I asked him just a few more questions. And, you know, within a few minutes, I realized very quickly that, you know, he's trying to sell me something. Right. Uh, and I said, listen, I'm not the lawyer for you. And by the way, be very careful because if you start this kind of a claim and they find that out, you're going to be in trouble. So I'm going to ask you about your injuries. I'm going to ask you about your family. I, I'm going to ask you about how... Uh, the, the the accident has changed your life, uh, your family's life, uh, you know your work situation, your employment situation. Again, doesn't take a long time for me to be able to assess the claim and give you an idea about what your options are. And I have cases, uh, um, uh, John. In, in fact, a, uh, as an example, a, a gentleman that called me uh, after listening to the show uh, about a month ago or so, he came with his wife to the office, and that's a case where this gentleman uh, was in a car accident and he injured his shoulder, but he's only having an MRI done this March to figure out if there is a tear. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened at that point is I said, listen, we're not going to start the claim right now because I need to understand what the actual injury is. I need to see what the MRI shows. Uh, we need to do our due diligence, but we have to make sure that we at least notify the person who was at fault. So their insurance company uh, recognizes that the claim exists, that they can start putting reserves aside for a possible settlement in the future. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, when, when, when someone calls me up or, or, you know, sits face to face with me, within minutes I will tell them exactly what their options are and I will be able to assess whether or not I can help them. We get the basics about starting a claim for someone who's, you know, had an accident, but prior to that accident was in mint condition. How about those with like a pre-existing condition, back injuries, whatever, and then you get into either a slip and fall or car accident. How does that affect the claim? Well, I don't know about you, but certainly my health history is not 100%. Yeah. Uh, you I'll know, I, I had five. some. Yeah. Five, okay. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I like to work out, so uh, from time to time I've, I've strained this or strained oh, yeah. that. So if you were to look at my medical records, you're going to see back pains here and neck pains there. Uh, and you're going to see that uh, with, with a lot of people. And you're going to see other things. People have diabetes, cholesterol. They've right. had heart surgery. They've had, I don't know, back surgery that now because of the accident, uh, you know, they're in tremendous pain again. Well, the law recognizes that, uh, you know, people can have this pre-existing history. And the fact that you have that pre-existing history doesn't mean you're not entitled to compensation. If, in fact, it may mean that you were more vulnerable to, to this accident and to the injuries that you sustained or, or exacerbated uh, than someone who would have been completely healthy. Mm. And so let's take an example of someone who, um, let's say, had uh, knee surgery uh, a few years back, and now that person had an accident, and they hit their knee on the dashboard, and now they're going to need another knee surgery. So then the question is, well, how does the previous uh, uh, condition, the previous surgery, play into this new condition, to, to, to this new injury? Uh, and, and again, very, very, um, I'm not going to say easy, but, but not a complicated uh, uh, concept f for anyone to understand. Uh, it, that person's knee was already very, very vulnerable as a result of the previous uh, uh, surgery that that person had. As soon as we start the claim, I would then write the orthopedic surgeon who did the surgery the second time, and I would ask him to comment about the causation, about the fact that this, this injury here was caused as a result of the accident, 
and that potentially, you know, and ask the question, but for the previous condition, yeah. would that person, uh, you know, still be in this position? Would that person still need that surgery? So people don't need to be concerned with the fact that they have a history, a medical history. Uh, as long as we can show that there was an exacerbation or a new injury as a result of the accident, then we're good to go. We can get compensation for those new injuries or the aggravation of the old injuries. I would, ass- I would assume that a pre-existing condition would probably be something that the defense would probably jump all over, right? Yeah, just, they, just they would. Just as a knee-jerk reaction, if anything else. No? Absolutely, 100%. And you know, I have a lot of defense lawyers who um, try to argue with me when we look at the records that, no, 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 the accident did not cause uh, this injury, that it was pre-existing. And look, at the end of the day, we have the medical records from before the accident and after the accident. So we're seeing if this person complained of back pain in the last year. The fact that the person had back surgery five years ago, but in the last year or two years or three years, everything was stable. And now after the accident that just happened, the person is now in tremendous pain and they're talking about another surgery. I mean, it's clear cut. Obviously, the accident is the intervening factor here. Obviously, the accident is at fault for the fact that this person may now need uh, treatments or another surgery or whatever it is that happens. So again, as long as we can prove that the accident, the slip and fall, uh, the cycling accident, the car accident, whatever, as long as we can prove that this accident caused either new injuries or aggravated an old injury, then this person is going to be entitled to compensation. Another good week, my friend. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts is that if you're injured, don't wait. Give me a call. Uh, you know, we'll have a chat on the phone. It doesn't cost anything to talk. At the very least, you will know what your options are. You'll, you'll know what you can do. And you'll have an idea on how to proceed. At the very least, I'll be able to give you that information so that you can make an informed decision on how you, your family, your friends, whoever it is that's involved, uh, should go. That number anytime, 416-216-5910. Insuranceandinjurylaw.com is the website for email. To get a hold of Savannah anytime, it's help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And a reminder, like I said off the top of the show, you want to ask questions, maybe not live, a little bashful, you can do it online to mydisabilityquestions.com or myaccidentquestions.com. There's a ton of answers there already. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM640.